Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode of the All Angels podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sportstring is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like Sportstring without the vowels. Got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! And it's gone! He went to Gary! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Dan Garcia, and special guest returning to the All Angels Podcast is the one, the only, Chris the Curator Johnson. How you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be back. Glad to have you back. So, obviously, the Angels just finished their second week of the season. They're about 13 games in as we record. It's just finished a big series against Houston, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, coming into the series, and Chris was heard it just as much as all the other fans, we talked about it last podcast, was the broadcasting and all the issues they had out in Texas. Well, after the Texas uh, series it came out that Gooby and Tyler uh, Patrick O'Neill were going to make the trip to Houston to do the game in person when it wasn't originally planned that way the original plan was for again uh, Gooby and Matty V to do it on um, remote and because of the feedback I guess from fans they decided to send them out so what do you think about that so you're telling me they listen to the fans now yeah, at least at least Bally's did, which was great. Because wow, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean the Angels are gonna have to put out some more money now for uh, Best Western hotel stays. Right on the yeah, road. Exactly. I know that's like a, uh, a huge uh, deal right there. Um, but yeah, it's good. I'm glad they're they're listening to the fans and they're gonna respond to that. And hopefully, we can see some difference there because that was atrocious. I mean, it's kind of hard to watch a, you know, ball that's called, you know, it's home run or it's an out and then like three second delay. It's kind of weird. I always thought like, why is Matty V so far behind when Gooby's on remote too? 
No, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday too. Um, during the 2020 season and even last year when they did it, it seemed like fine. I don't remember ever having an issue like this with the delay, you know, when they're like on remote or anything. I don't know if it's like a new software. I told, I told you it was uh, Matty V's computer, yeah. his uh, <laughs> bandwidth. I think he was like on AOL 1997 uh, dial-up. Right, exactly. But whatever. But yeah, so I guess the good news for us fans is that this last series, not only the results of this last series, but the audio part of it finally matched up with the play on the field and you had the guys in person and, and delay or no delay. It just, there's something different about having the guys there in person, having the guys there actually physically seeing, you know, the play go and, and be able to see maybe things that aren't on the camera, maybe the way someone set up, maybe someone's reaction to something. So it's definitely great. And to there's f- like, re- there's really no excuse now because uh, I don't know. We're like in the endemic, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You you expect people, and I mean, you had a little bit more grace during the pandemic if there's right, a delay. Right. But like you said, it's actually worse now. And there's no reason. I think um I think all but like maybe like four clubs or something right right around there, give yeah. or take, are all in person traveling. traveling traditional means and the angels and a few other clubs had elected to you know do the remote um situation but uh well the radio guys terry smith and and mark langston are still on remote but with but with with radio even if there's a little delay you wouldn't know because you can't see it <laughs> i never saw it anyway yeah exactly car, so right? it doesn't matter but yeah those guys unfortunately are still on remote and still going to be at angel stadium for the away games and i'm sure for for them they would rather be in person because the same thing. You can kind of see things a little – you see a bigger picture when you're actually on the road with the team. So, But, yeah, hopefully they get that kind of settled. Hopefully they get that situated. I don't know if they're going to go back to remote or maybe they hope they fixed it. So next time they hit the road, they're going to try it again. I don't know. But either way, Matty V needs to get on the road with Gooby and, and hit these hit these AL and some NL cities and do it the right way. That's what I think. Yeah, when he's saying Santa Maria and it's like five <laughs> seconds that the guy already touched home plate. Right, you know, exactly. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, was that last play or is that what's, what's going on? Yeah. So we'll start out again with the Angels taking three of four from the Texas Rangers in the first part of this road trip. Now they go to um, Houston who was the opening day team for the Angels. They really took advantage of some Angels' mistakes when they were here in Anaheim. Anaheim actually ended up dropping um, uh, three of the four games to the Astros. So now they're back in Houston, hopefully trying to make up some ground and playing obviously a lot better with the series win over the Rangers and then the Marlins before that. So on the mound on Monday was Michael Lorenz. And if if you remember his last stop against... Uh, the Marlins, he actually did really, really well. We were there in person in a suite, but we talked about that last time. Yeah, living that sweet life, but yeah. anyways. Hashtag, thank, thank you, Angels. Haven't heard anything from you since then, but thank you, Angels. Um, but yeah, so he had a really great outing last time. And so obviously with a, him being a new addition, the question was how does he follow up? You saw how Noah Syndergaard followed up his first really good start with another really good start. So that was kind of the same question going in with Michael Lorenzen. But Houston would get up early with Jordan Alvarez hitting a two-run shot to make it 2-0. But in the second inning, Tyler Wade would come up and tie the game, making it 2-2 after the second. In the fourth inning, this is kind of where Michael Lorenzen gets into a little bit of trouble. After back-to-back singles, 
he ends up uh, walking Kyle, Tuck- Kyle Tucker to load the bases. And then instead of Joe Madden calling for an intentional walk, Lorenzen just did it on his own, walking in Jeremy Pena to make the score 3-2, but then turns around and hits Jose Siri to make it 4-2. And that was it for Michael Lorenzen going three and a third inning, four hits, four earned runs, two walks, two Ks, and giving up one home run. So not exactly what Angel fans were hoping for with Michael Lorenzen. But again, that's a second start. Still, plenty of starts to go. What are your kind of your first initial thoughts on Michael Lorenzen on the yeah, mound after that? Uh, you know, the Monday start against the Marlins. You're pretty, uh, pretty hopeful, pretty jazzed up about that. And then when he came out, you could tell he's frustrated. He got deep into counts, and it escalated pretty quickly there. Um, yeah, I'm out. How could you? Uh, you can't freak out right now. Right. It's early. Um, he was the pull-up champion at Cal State Fullerton, <laughs> I heard. So, I mean, the guy's, the guy's got, you know, he's he's a strong dude. Uh, I'm sure he's going back. He's reviewing what he did wrong, and uh, I'm sure he's going to bounce back. Oh, look at, look at I'm kind of jumping ahead of ourselves right here, but look at what Otani did. Had a terrible start. Probably watched some film, came back, and we saw what he did yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So, Michael Lorenzen, again, has some trouble, but – uh, still early, still early in the process. Like like Chris mentioned, is you no need to kind of freak out. And the two something I noticed during the game that I kind of thought I was seeing things, and it and it looked like he was really off balance on his follow through, like almost over pitching. And then once he got taken out, Gooby had a great little, you know, ten fifteen second clip, a couple clips back to back to back from his last start against the Marlins and a couple clips from, from this start against Houston. And you can definitely tell the difference in his follow through and the balance after he released the ball. And in Houston, it seemed like he was catching himself from falling over where in, when they played Miami, he seemed to be, uh, you know, having his balance the whole time through. So maybe it was a little, him a little too amped and trying to overthrow some things. think it's like the mound difference a little bit? It could be that, but it, it honestly, too, you look at the video side by side, they put him like one after another, and it does look like he was just trying to, over, like he knew he was struggling and he was just trying to compensate it by just trying to throw harder, and that just probably made his control even worse than what it would normally be. Yeah, it kind of sucks, too, when you come out so confident after your first start and, you know, uh, first inning, your hometown team yeah, and all first, that. First inning, too, and giving up a home run probably doesn't help. Yeah, so, you know. So Max Stassi would try to bring the Angels back with a solo shot off the fair pole, making it 4-3. to three. So you're kind of thinking at, at that point, okay, well, now they're making some kind of a comeback. You saw the offense and what they're able to produce in Texas. You're kind of hoping for the same thing now. But in the bottom of the next inning, um, the Astros play a little bit of small ball to try to work these guys around. You saw how they were able to get like two guys on. They're able to put bunts down. Martin Maldonado puts down a perfect sack bunt to make the score to five to three, extending that lead to two. And then a little bit later, um, uh, Jordan Alvarez ends up hitting another two-run shot to make it uh, seven to three. And that is exactly where, or they he would end up getting. They would end up getting one more run to Astros with to make the final score eight to three. But you know, for a game that was really close, it's, I feel like a lot of those games when they were in Anaheim, the Angels would be with them, would be with them, would be with them for five, six, seven innings, and then just some, something seemed to happen to where the Astros pulled away, and, yeah, and that's exactly it was what happened. Like a Kyle Tucker bomb, or right? Something like that, Correa, whatever it may be. 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and, and something to note too, we saw Mike Trout get hit by that ball on Sunday in the last game in Texas. Uh, he did not play this game. He did not end up playing at all this series for the three games against Houston. What was your kind of initial um, worries when you saw Mike Trout get hit by that uh, ball on Sunday? Well, as you know, any type of diagnosis when it comes from the Angels, like uh, usually is like a date a day to day, right? You know, kind well, the, of thing. Because I think that's what Trout was last year, when, right? When he was just you know it's a you know pop fly kind of just jogging around and all of a sudden he's out for the rest of the season. So yeah, you're like, Oh great. Here we go. The day to day. Right. And then also like they, they kept on uh, saying like 81 mile an hour uh, slider, slider, 81 mile an hour slider, 81 miles an hour is still pretty freaking hard. Yeah. It's, especially like, if, I don't want to get hit. Well, especially if he hits you on the back of the hand where there's not yeah. any meat. Like if you get hit in the thigh or get hit in the back or the ass, okay, whatever. Cause there's, there's meat there. Yeah. But you get hit on the back of your hand. There's nothing there it's but usually, skin and bone. It's usually broken finger. And I think that's where the Angels really got fortunate with the fact that it didn't break. And, and kind of to what you're talking about with information in last year with the Angels and how it was always kind of, do we trust it? Do we not trust it? It coming from Madden. The one thing I noticed this year, and I think it's because of the fact that reporters are able to get into the locker room now compared to the years past, all the quotes you're seeing now about players and their availability and injury and stuff like that are now coming from the actual trainer not madden at a press conference over zoom after a game so hopefully that means they're they're a little more accurate because now you're not having and i talked to red bollinger you know last season about how is this mix-up happening because yeah you're right there was a lot of confusion about one week you're saying trout stay today with a calf the next week is like well he'll miss like a month and then after that month it's like okay we're shutting him down for the year so there was a lot of that confusion yeah. last year so hopefully now that confusion of Madden having to go to the trainer and read a paper and, and like Red said, sometimes he just didn't even read the injury report before the press conference, so he had no idea. So hopefully now that they're able to get in the they're in the locker room and they're able to actually talk to the trainer and get quotes from the trainer, we'll have a better um, a better grasp of how severe or non severe the injuries are with with these Angels players. So a little news before the game. Um, Angels uh, DFA'd relief pitcher uh, Brian Morin and selected the contract of Kenny Rosenberg. Uh, Kenny Rosenberg, if you don't follow him on Twitter, is a really good follow. Um, It's a guy I I believe they picked up last season or two seasons ago in the minor league uh, Rule 5 draft. So he is, I believe, a local guy too. I think he's like from, I'm going to get it wrong, Uh, I think like the Long Beach or somewhere over there area. So got to make his Angels debut on Monday night as uh, kind of like a little cleanup duty. I think he pitched a little bit more than an inning, gave up a run, but overall looked pretty good. Now moving over to Tuesday and the way the MLB season is and the way the MLB business is, Kenny got optioned that very next that that night and uh Andrew Wants got brought up for us here at Halo Haven. It was I was happy to see that. We had an interview with him or I had an interview with him during the lo- during the lockout, um, before spring training and all that stuff. So um it was cool to see him back up there with the Angels. And yeah, unfortunately it happens at someone like like Kenny's expense, but I mean you've seen it you've seen plenty of baseball. You you, you know how you put it together if you're like one of those borderline guys and you pitch like two, three innings they're, 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 you know, you're probably gonna get option and bring up someone that had a, a fresh arm, so they have that guy available for the next day in the bullpen. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Moving on to Tuesday again, Angels dropped the first game at Houston. So Tuesday, Patrick Sandoval is on the mound. Um, I, what were your what's your kind of feel for Patrick coming into this season? Because we saw a lot of great stuff from him last year. Obviously, his injury his season ended prematurely because of injury. But what was your kind of feeling of Patrick coming into the season? I mean, last season was his kind of like I guess you would call it his breakout season especially when he took that no-hitter and, you know, deep into a game. So um, very optimistic about Patrick. I don't know, like, I guess we have him slated as, you know, like a you know top three starter. I don't know if that's where he, where he you know, should fall. But I'm, I'm sure that he is pretty hyped, especially going against a club that didn't really believe in him or, uh, you know, traded him for uh, Maldonado. And uh, it's, it's good to uh, see him back out there. Uh, in form, he started off really hot last year. So, um, just another, just another uh, left-handed uh, arm, uh, you know, to throw out there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think last year was a, a coming out party for Patrick coming Sandoval. Coming of age, right? That's, that's the term I was looking well, for. Well, like I think, like I think it's like he's coming out, a coming out party, and then this year is his coming of age. Like you know, there's like there's like steps to it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. now it's like he's turning the corner, and then he's this. Uh, as, boys establishing up. himself. There's like little, <laughs> little, little moves here and there, but the Angels get up first with the Brandon Marsh. When Brandon Marsh comes up and gets a sack fight and make it uh, 1-0 in the second inning. In the bottom of the third, though, uh, Alex Bregman would tie the score with RBI double. So you're 1-1 after three. But in the fourth inning, Joe Adele would get uh, an RBI single with this hard hit base hit. 0-2 count as well. Ground ball. Gurriel has trouble with it. No play. Angels take a 2-1 lead. And that would make the score 2-1. But in the bottom of the fourth, that would be a really tough inning for Sandoval. That would be an inning where you kind of saw it as the game progressed. He didn't really have his A stuff. He was getting deep into counts. He was, you know, um, guys were getting on. But they weren't coming around and scoring because he was he was working hard. You could tell. You, you know, you see enough games where it's like he doesn't have his best stuff, but you can tell he's just. He's just a dog out there. He's just yeah, trying to he get... was grinding that yeah. last uh, f- those last few outs, like going deep into pitch counts, just working hard. And, you know, that magic number right now for these starters is pretty much 80. Right, exactly. And so, you know, especially how he was struggling. Um, yeah, it, it was it was the right call to pull him. Yeah, it, d- definitely. So uh, that fourth inning, he's able to work through it. He gets a couple guys on. And then Maldonado and him have a 11-pitch battle where it seemed like no matter what he would throw to Maldonado, Maldonado would foul it off, whether it was a strike or whether it was a ball. It was like Maldonado was up it's there just It's kind of crazy hacking. because that's the trade. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it went 11 pitches that ultimately ended, out, ended up with a uh, fly out to end the fourth inning. But like you mentioned, that would be it for Patrick Sandoval going four innings, giving up four hits, one unearned run, two walks, and a and five strikeouts. So overall, again, I think that obviously that 11-pitch single at bat hurt him, but did well, didn't give up, didn't give up an earned run, kept the team in the game. And I think that's what you have to get from some of your younger pitchers uh, in the rotation. And Patrick Sandoval is definitely one of those. And Patrick obviously ended to, you kind of mentioned the pitch count. His pitch count was at 85 at the time, but I think too, part of it was that he was that, that last inning was such a heavy inning for him. Um, 
in just that single spot. And again, going back to spring training, he got his first start got pushed back because of fatigue. So you're wondering now how they're going to handle him. But hopefully now with the third time through the rotation, he can get his pitch count closer to 90, 95. But in the top, uh, so in the top of the fifth, the Angels would uh, go up. Scoring would start with Matt Duffy single to make it three to one. Duffy right field. Is that going to get down? It does. That's going to score a run. Rendon's going to third. 3-1 Angels. Still in the fifth inning after a Jack Mayfield RBI to make it 4-1, Kurt Suzuki, who actually had a really great game um, filling in for Max Stassi, would come up and get this two-run RBI double. Line drive. That is a beautiful piece of hitting. Duffy's going to score. That one almost all the way to the wall. Here comes Mayfield. Two runs are in. 6-1 Halos. That would end up making it uh, 6-1. And like I mentioned, Suzuki, one for three, but was able to get two walks, two RBIs, and he was and he was two of those runs. So he was on base three times. And we can get that kind of production from your backup catcher where you don't feel like you really don't lose anything. I think that's a, definitely a win for uh, the lineup in general. Yeah, you could tell uh, Suzuki was hyped for that game. Like he do, like from the very get go, and um, I think some of the the guys are talking pregame. He just seemed like he was ready. He was he was locked on. Yeah, he was he was a pleasant surprise so far. I think when Suzuki got brought back and brought back yeah. for, with with a pay raise, people were asking why or what's going on, or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's definitely earned it for this first you know few games that he's played. In uh, this season, in the Angels uniform, not a lot of drop-off at all between him and Stassi offensively offensively for sure. But a great game by him. Uh, Brandon Marsh would come up for a sacrifice fly in the fifth to make it 7-1. to one, And that would be it for that inning. And Astros would only end up getting one more, making it 7-2. to two. And the ball game, huge win for the Angels. Kind of feeling like they... I don't know, got the monkey off the back, if you will, struggling, you know, lose the first game. I see what you did there. Yeah, exactly. Not even on purpose. There you go. But losing that first game in Houston after Houston had a really good series in Anaheim, you you, you know, you, you needed yeah. to win something. Like, you're like, oh, here we go again. Right, you know? exactly. You didn't want like, to get that. We looked at last year's uh, season series. Like, I think the Angels, you know, maybe took maybe 25% of the games. Right. Well, Houston obviously had the Angels' numbers quite a bit pretty much since they entered the american league yeah exactly um yeah so you're like oh here we go uh we came off a good series against the rangers uh we're playing the rangers right and then we go to houston and then oh hey that's that's who we are and i think you put out something you know like you know you got to beat those teams you got to beat the rangers you got to beat the marlins but you got to be you got to beat you got to win your division you got to beat the team that's always gonna like the perennial powerhouse and that's been the astros there's yeah for the last you can you can argue oakland or whatever there but it's always been the astros and for us oh here we go here we go again but to rebound and you're gonna get into the third game right now but um yeah it was nice to get that second game it's the first game i've watched in the garage which we're uh, recording (laughs) right now so i was back in halo haven Got the TV going, surrounded by memorabilia. I was super hyped. Yeah, so like Chris said, now going into the series finale on Wednesday, you have a chance of winning a series at Houston. 
And I guess that's the biggest thing you want to do is you want to win series. You want to win um, the series wherever you are, whether it's at home or away or whoever you're playing. So the opportunity to win a series against Houston in Houston is huge this early into the season. And on the mound with Shohei Otani. So obviously Shohei had a very good first outing, not a very good second outing, but always you're, you're always thinking with Otani, there's always a chance something special can happen. You're always thinking something, you know, especially when he's pitching because of the fact that he's also going to be hitting that you might see something that you may never see again or something that has never been done before. So Otani would take the mound. Uh, again, trying to bounce back after his rough start last time out against Texas where he gave up that grand slam, and it was kind of um, – you could definitely tell he didn't have his best stuff there. But he would get a lot of help, a lot of breathing room, a lot, a lot of breathing room in the top of the first. After Jake Odorizzi walks in Shohei, um, Brandon Marsh comes up to the plate to make it 2-0. 1-1 pitch, and that one is smacked into right field, and that's going to be a hit. One run will score. Getting held at third base will be Walsh, but it's another RBI for Marsh, and now it's 2-0 Angels. After two strikeouts from Jake Odorizzi, he would then walk Tyler Wade, and uh, and that would score Jared Walsh, making it 3-0. Granted, this is, remember, this is all in the first inning, all in the first inning. And still in the first inning, Otani would come up again making it the first time that they can track this stuff back that a starting pitcher has had two plate appearances before he threw one pitch. Wow. So not only did he come up twice, he walked the first time, but this time he's able to get a hold of a ball and does this. And here's the 1-0. He swings it that one and lifts it in the air. That ball's carrying deep down the left side. That ball is going to be off the out-of-town scoreboard. The Angels are going to see Shohei bring in a bunch of them right there. And the Angels have a 6 to nothing lead. And that would make it 6-0 at the end of the first inning. And we always talk about, hey, get your pitcher a lead. Let him relax. Let him um, not think about, worried about making a mistake or anything like that. And that's exactly what the Angels did for Shohei on the plate. And it really showed because Shohei was perfect going into the sixth inning. And I know I am, but how did you feel about that superstition about how you don't talk about, you know, that no hitter or uh, perfect game stuff? Yeah, so uh, Daniel and I actually went to the 66ers game yesterday. So I was listening on the radio on the way out. Turn on the radio when you hear you have a 6-0 lead already. You're just like, oh, okay, wow. Um, and then you hear, oh, yeah, it's kind of happening. And then somebody like Shohei, especially, you know, knowing, you know, he has all these accolades and just just another thing that he's kind of working on. And, um, yeah, in Disney terms, we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, there you go. Um, and Kanto. Uh, <laughs> but, we, we, yeah, we don't talk about No-No. And yeah. when I got to the dugout at the 66ers game, Daniel was already there. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Otoni, uh, no hitter. And he's like, oh, shit. 
you, you can't say that stuff. And I was like, you know, I wasn't in the dugout. I wasn't <laughs> saying it. Uh, I wasn't on the live broadcast. I wasn't gooby. But, um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. We saw Kershaw, you know, go deep into a game, and they didn't let him finish it off. So that was kind of our conversation. Like, if he gets to the point and his pitch count's pretty low, was manageable, um, yeah. like, are you going to let him go 100 pitches? Like, that 100-pitch complete game, no hitter? With that many strikeouts, that's incredible. So, I don't know. Um, and unfortunately, we never got to find out what. <laughs> yeah, Madden came out and said later on that he was going to keep him in if it was a perfect game. But like we, me and Chris were talking about, it's easy to say that after the fact when there's no way to, to prove it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly don't believe Madden. Yeah, I don't done. think he would have let him in. But him in. Shohei again goes perfect into the sixth inning. When Jason Castro comes up, another former Angel, comes up and breaks it up with, uh, I believe, with one out in the game. And that's hit in the shallow center field, and it's down for a base hit. Perfect game over for Shohei Otani. Jason Castro is aboard with one out in the home six. How about that? Castro's first hit of the season breaks up the perfect game from Otani. But that would be it for hits given up by Shohei. He... Finishes at the sixth inning, finishing the game with six innings pitched, one hit, one walk, tw- 12 strikeouts, matching his career high. Back to, we want to talk about coming out parties. His come out party with uh, Oakland and Anaheim on, on that one Sunday afternoon game where I think Shohei put himself out there as a guy that not to be messed with on the mound. So matching his career total with 12 strikeouts. A funny thing, I looked it up. Shohei left the game with 81 pitches through six innings. They have look over at Jake Odorizzi. Doesn't even get out of the first inning. Two gets two outs. What do you think his pitch count was at? Uh, two outs first he, inning. First inning. Uh, 45. 42. Damn. God. So, so yeah. So Shohei doubled up his pitch count. P- pitching. Uh, was it? I can't do math. Five and a third more innings. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go back in a, uh, our time machine to last year be- before the season. Do you remember all the Angel fans wanting Jake, Jake Odorizzi? Oh yeah, dude. Everybody wanted this guy, and like he um, he did well when he was on the Twins, right? He, but then he, he had some decent seasons, and then like he was in the Rays, did okay. Right. Um. But when since he's gone to Houston, Houston, he just hasn't produced to the level that they expected. Well, last year he was a free agent all the way past um, opening day. Like he didn't sign with yeah. the, with the Astros until I want to say like two months in or something like that. But yeah, he was he's never been able to get whatever he had in in Minnesota. He's never been able to have that in Houston, at least not yet. And uh, you know, you you kind of look back, like you said, in the time machine, there was a lot of people clamoring for Odorizzi to come to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of funny how some of those things work. Sometimes it works out great and you, you, you dodge a bullet kind of like this, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes guys end up having really good careers. But um, we very rarely as a fan base go back and look at the ones where like, oh, wow, I'm glad we didn't actually make that move. I'm glad that we, the ownership or the management or whatever passed up on that guy because – he is not exactly what we thought he was going to be. So, obviously, then, Angels win the game 6-0, getting all six runs in the first inning. And kind of like you mentioned, after that Shohei um, perfect game got broken up, 
uh, in the sixth inning. It's kind of like, okay, it was, a, it was a ho-hum game. Not a whole lot happened, not a whole lot of fireworks. But um, e- either way, Angels take two or three from Houston, end up go- taking, uh, let's see, they're four, seven, I'm trying to figure out, five, they go five and two on the road. Um, and right now, as we record this, in sole possession of first place in the AL West with a record of eight and five. So a whole whopping 13 games. But, hey, at least they're in best first place. Best record in the American League. The best best record in the American League right now. I hadn't checked it because I don't know if someone so played. So you're saying there's a chance. I was going to ask you, though, how, how confident are you in this team? Again, playing uh, 13 games into the season well you you know the angels are notoriously slow starters especially under the social regime um it's good to be where we're at especially after that first astro series right i meant it wasn't looking very good so i'm happy with where we're at i'm not gonna you know go freak out i think a few years ago we were like in first place at this point right yeah. screenshot with the standings and got all amped up and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so, so. Great we'll to see. Yeah, it's great to be here right now. I guess it's one of those things where you'd rather be in first than whatever third. You know, if you had your, if you ever, if you're not first or last, right? Exactly, Ricky Bobby. Um, but no, it, it's it's good to be first. I'm still kind of not skeptical of this team, but I'm still cautious about this team. I still think there's some things that um, I feel is going to happen down the line. I still feel like there's going to be at some point one of these pitchers are going to miss a few starts and after that point who's going to fill in and how well they're going to do that's going to be a huge issue i mean you look around baseball in general right now and i know because i'm playing fantasy baseball there's a ton of dudes going on the il pitchers and and position pitchers and position players included like there's a ton of guys going on the il is that because of short spring training bad luck i don't know but you just have you have a feeling or i have a feeling that sooner or later it's going to you know get to the angels they got we got lucky with the with the trout thing. We talked about that. How when you hit the back of the hand with something like that to not break a bone was really lucky. But I just I don't know if that's the bullet they dodge and there's nothing going to happen after that. Really, that's going to force a significant time loss or or what. But I just feel like there's something's going to come down the line, and I just don't know if there's the depth of this team is going to be able to prevail um, division wise. I think I think. Wild card wise, they'll be competitive for the wild card spot, but division wise, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on that quite yet. I mean I'm actually um kind of optimistic in the fact that Trout uh with this injury and then also the stomach bug yeah that he had, so he's missed pretty much half the games. Uh Radon missed a few. Right. Um so you haven't had those two out there. Uh, and and these guys that are stepping up to produce like the uh, even like a Taylor Ward or um, do you know who leads the team right now in RBIs? Taylor Ward. Nope. Uh, uh, Shohei second, so it's not him. Brandon Marsh. Yep. Brandon Marsh, I believe, has eleven RBIs. Shohei has nine. Yeah. So like you're seeing these guys come up and step up, and it's. I don't know. Like, even if you like, it's like if, if I lost the star player, like, I think we're a little bit deeper than we've been um, before. These guys are hungry. These new guys, like the youngsters are like wanting to prove themselves. And this is their time. So I'm actually like fairly optimistic. <laughs> it's still April. It's the pitching. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, honestly, pitching. I think, honestly, I think, I think, I think, I think once you thing. like you lose one guy, then. 
You got to throw in, you know, you got to th- dig deep and scrape the barrel and all that. I think so. that's the biggest thing for me is that I'm optimistic to a point because I think the pitching is doing really well for what they have out there right now. My Again, my concern happens if one of these guys misses two or three starts because of an injury, I'm not necessarily comfortable with what's behind them. If you were to tell me, like, in a magical world, all the pitchers are going to make all their starts and they're all going to be, you know, relatively healthy all year long, then, yeah, I think this team can compete for a division easily but i mean you just look at the history of baseball on any team how often does a single baseball team go the whole season only depending on six pitchers starting pitchers it never happens eventually something's going to pop up to where they're going to need someone from the from jaime berea who's in the bullpen right now that can give you innings or someone in the minor leagues that can give you innings so it's going to be something to, to yeah, kind then, of keep an eye on you look at some of the stats i don't know if this is still this held true over yesterday but the angels were leading the league in home runs right um stuff like that you don't even have mike trout right in your lineup half the time like that that's uh that's pretty promising so it looks like you know then we were talking about adele right so adele's like his last ten at bats, he was batting like four hundred <laughs> with four four, <laughs> four hits and with six, six strikeouts. But guess what? He's batting four hundred. So is it, you know is that is that and you know. and that's what we talked about too was like the fact that yes he struck out six times, all right, but it's still an out. It's an out. And I, I told I told Chris I'm like how many times did we wish Albert Pujols would have. Just struck out instead hey, of dude, rolling into a ground swing. play. Just, just, just swing at that one. Don't don't hit like a little soft chopper. To a double play. Exactly. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of old school people that are like, oh, strikeouts are terrible. But at the end of the day, one out is one out. And if you say out of those double plays, I'd rather take that strikeout. Just yeah. because, I mean, you. I think you said it. Like those double plays can be rally killers. You can have two on, no out. RK. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you have one guy on with two outs and – you can't even sack, you know, get a sack fly to get the guy um, home the score. So um, I think Joe's going to come around. I think the strikeout will probably be kind of an issue for him. But at the same time, like I mentioned, it's better than rolling into a bunch of double plays like Albert did. So, well, and there's always going to be stuff to watch as the season plays out. Like I mentioned, we're two weeks into the season. We're like 8% of the over with the season. So we'll see what happens. 8% already? Yeah. Jeez. Two weeks, two weeks, 13 games. So, We'll see how it goes, but you gotta like how, how how the Angels are playing now. You gotta like how the young guys are are competing, and even to that middle middle of the infield competition. You have Wade, you have um, Fletcher when he gets back. You know Duffy's kind of been at first with a Walsh, but you've had Mayfield, you had um, Andrew Velasquez playing out of his mind at shortstop, so. It's going to be really interesting to see not only when Fletcher gets back, where he's supposed to be back at some point this series or this homestand. They didn't say series, but they said homestand. So we'll see how that plays out. But also, at the end of the month, we're recording this on the 21st. At the end of the month, you have to you have to option two guys. They're going to go back to 26 guys on the roster. So you're thinking, okay, that's probably one of them's probably going to be a, a bullpen arm, but another one's probably going to be a position guy. And who do you send down? Who do you option? And the, and it looks like the the what the Angels are going to pick from is someone from those 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 infield positions, who's the odd man out. Yeah, it's going to come from that second shortstop kind of position. It's got to be middle. Yeah, you know, I, I love Andrew Velasquez. You see his glove; he has gold glove written all over him. He's you just hope the you, bat. Just, you just hope yeah the bat comes around and does enough to to warrant the position, but. 
the same time, you mentioned it. The Angels are leading the league in home runs, and they're getting little to no production out of that shortstop position. So do they need it, or do they need a guy that's going to save runs compared to produce runs? So true. something to, something to kind of watch out for, especially as this last week of April comes up and really big roster decisions are going to be made at the beginning of May. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop and water every day, cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So Chris talked about it a little bit earlier. We were actually made our return, if you will, to Sam and Well Stadium out in San Bernardino to watch the IE 66ers take on the um, was it Stockton Ports, the single A affiliate of the Oakland A's. And that was the first time we've been there to watch a game like that in the dugout since 2019. Dang. It was a while, but it was fun. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good to be down the dugout. The energy was like, I want to say, better than we've ever experienced. Right. Yeah, we we were there when Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele and um, Jemai Jones and, you know, uh, Austin Warren – Andrew wants like a lot of these guys that are either um, Isaac Matson guys that are either with the angels, you know, playing for the angels or guys that are on other teams that are either on their major league roster or just like the next guy up. Yeah. So that, that dugout I remember back then was cool because you had the Joe, um, the Joe and flow energy back then for the mind for the 66ers. Yeah. But this one, you're right. It seemed it seemed different. It seemed more. It seemed like everyone was was in on it. And I don't know if it's because they made the transition to low A, where now a lot of these guys are younger. A lot of these guys are, you know, <laughs> we look at the the media guide and their birthdays are all, you know, born in 2000, 2001. Like I think the oldest. I found in '98. Oh, say so yeah. I was gonna say the oldest guy there was born like in '99 or '98. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else was like 2000, 2001. Yeah, I think a lot of it's their first time around uh, playing professional ball. Right, it's the first um, step. It's the first step out yeah, out of the uh, like, Arizona, like the Ventimentally yeah, kind of deal. Like you know, a lot of these guys are um, international players. So, so you definitely Dominican, feel that, yeah, Venezuelan. 
so for them to be out there in the U.S. and uh, playing some, you know, playing some competitive baseball, uh, commercialized baseball, people playing, you know, paying money to get in the seat, all the gimmicks that minor league baseball gives Brains, you. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I like the fact that these guys cared about winning. It definitely came across, and they were hyped the whole the whole game. They had the energy going the whole. Yeah, game. it was like if you're playing for some, you know, something that mattered, and it wasn't like I'm just playing for my myself. They were cheering each other on, uh, dancing. It was it was fun. It was fun to be down there. Yeah, it's it's something great that I really miss as far as like being in the dugout during the game is that you can see the guys' reactions when they strike out and they come in and they you know they they take a cup of water they drink it and then throw the cup down like you know they're they're pissed they had a great opportunity with running the scoring position and they didn't cash in and that's that happened a lot last game when we went on wednesday night like for a while there the ports were up 2-0 but the 66ers were out hitting them like three to i think it was like three to nine or something like that they're out hitting them all over the place but they couldn't get that one hit to get the run across until late and you could see the frustration on some of these guys when they came into the dugout and they missed on that opportunity. But at the flip side, you know, they end up scoring one in the eighth, one in the ninth to tie it. They end up going into extras and the the that is the runner on second base. Uh they hold stocked or yeah, Stockton to to no runs, and then they come in and first guy up, Warren Blakely, past guest on the All Angels podcast. You can go in the in the archives and Go find that, that yeah i talked to him pretty much uh i want to say like a couple of weeks after he was drafted by the by the angels but he's a guy that i think would be interesting to to see because kind of you know from the interview you know he's a detroit guy so when you think of detroit when you think cities and, and states up there you're not necessarily thinking a baseball factory because they only play literally during the spring and the summer you can't play like here where California, Arizona, Texas, you can play all year long because of the weather. There, he's very limited when he can play. Um, his senior year was 2020, so he got shorted or didn't even have it because of COVID. And then obviously the not really playing in a, in a, in a real league until this year. So you're talking about from 2022 to probably about you know 2019, no serious baseball. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some slow starts and he had a slow start last year in the Arizona. I don't know what they call it, developmental league or whatever, but um, we saw him play last night and he's doing some really good things with the 66ers right now. Uh, multiple hits. And, and I think, you know, they've only played like 10 games too, but out of those 10 games, he has multiple hits and like six he had a grand slam. Too. He had a grand slam against Rancho in the previous series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he looked really good last yeah, night. Yeah, it's kind of like I saw you talking back and forth with his uh, dad, dad afterward yeah. after the game. But his dad said the exact same thing. Yeah. He basically missed his senior year, and then he had a slow start last year in rookie, and then now with ten game sample size, like he looked, he was crushing it. You know, he kind of reminds me of is like a. Garrett Anderson, except for with more personality. Yeah, he has a really good personality. Lefty, yeah. uh, smooth, smooth swing. Yeah. He went three for four with a walk. He was actually killing it out there. And he's still young, but he seemed like a little bit more mature than the rest of the players. Very focused, like locked in. Right, yeah. And, and he's going to – he had drafted as a shortstop, but they worked him around. He DH'd this game. Um, but they they drafted him, and I think he played like second and shortstop in high school. 
but he kind of will translate. I, I read a couple things where he'll probably translate more to a third baseman. He definitely has the frame to put on weight. He's a tall guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize how tall. Like, when we did the interview, obviously, it was, like, through Zoom and stuff I like that. It was small. Right. It was through <laughs> Zoom. So, you don't get a good – I mean, you're looking at a, a tiny – sitting on, like, a small chair. Right, exactly. But then we, I, I finally met him in person, and I talked to him, and it's like, man, you are a lot taller and a lot bigger than I yeah. thought. And if he fills out that frame, he's going to be a good size – third baseman and you know we'll see how that plays out but so far uh, beginning to his like professional career has been a really good uh really good success and really cool to see yeah going back to kind of like the you know the motivation for some of these young guys like uh for them like this is this is everything this is everything to get your family to rise up especially if you're international signing and like if you're not doing well if you're, you know, like you up there, you strike out three times, like you're worried, like this is my last time. Right, chance. This is it. And then if this doesn't pan out, I don't know what's next. And it, it kind of is the harsh reality. So, so, yeah, I saw some guys on the, you know, on the bench just looking pretty down. Um, one guy in particular, I looked up afterwards and like, you know, he's like only one of two people from the Czech Republic to ever play uh, to be signed to a, a minor league or professional contract. Right, yeah. So he's like has the burden of that country on his back. And then he looked pretty down yesterday. So I, I get it. It sucks. And then we, you know, and then you, you saw a lot of celebration too. So it was, it was cool to be back. You feel the pulse of the minor leagues, which is like the heart of baseball, I feel. Yeah, it's fun. We'll definitely be around there more and more, and we'll post it more and more on our social media. Um, and you can follow us there at Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, it's fun to see. I mean, it's easy for a lot of people to, you know, when these guys make it as an angel or they get called up from AAA, it's it's easy to kind of be like, yeah, these guys are great. These guys are awesome. It's But, man, it's something different when you, actually, you can actually see these guys develop through the minor leagues have, you know, kind of a business relationship with them, but still have a relationship nonetheless and, and see them kind of develop and, and not feel like you're a, you know, a Johnny come lately kind of, kind of fan to, to, to certain guys that come up through the system. It's like, yeah, man, it's great to be there since day one, be there from their first hit to, you know, their first, their first call up kind of deal. So that's why I like going to the 66ers game. That's why I like going to minor leagues. Cause um, truthfully, I, I I think you know I know we're the only podcast there that that will f- follow these guys because I never see anyone else there. Um, and it, honestly, it's funny though too because it's pretty easy to to get in contact with the right people. And I mean, the 66ers are always trying to get people there. So if you have like a you know, hey, don't tell them our trade secrets, right? But no, it's but I'm just saying though, it's easy and yet not no one's doing it. So. Um, but, yeah, it, it's fun, and I can't wait to go more and more this season now that we're able to interact with the players unlike last year. Last year we could have went to the games, but it was like, oh, you can't talk to the players. You have to be in the stands. You can't be in the dugout. You you know, have to be so far away. And it's just like there's no kind of connection built that way. So now that that's gone, it, it's cool to, to finally be back in the dugout and, and hang out. At- yeah, we're looking to get some interviews, um, some of the prospects, and also uh, hopefully some rehab assignments. Yeah, we'll see if that comes back. Sixers. I, I don't I don't know why the Angels wouldn't use IE as their you know, preferred rehab site, but um, 
people were throwing 92, uh, 93 down there. So like a Fletcher um, during his rehab, like it, it, it makes sense. But yeah, we'll have to what wait do we and know? See. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see because the last couple of years they sent him out to AAA. Um, you know, obviously in 2020, there was no minor league season, so they couldn't send him anywhere. But uh, I remember in 19, they would have guys over at uh, Inland Empire. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be there. If you're there, I mean, again, if you follow us on social media, we'll post every single time we're there. And it's pretty, pretty easy, pretty easy to tell that we're there. So a lot of fun, definitely looking forward to. And if, again, if you're looking for a kind of like an alternative baseball experience other than Angel Stadium and you live like in the IE and you just can't make the drive or too expensive, like head out to Inland Empire. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a lot more family friendly as far as the pocketbook. So um, definitely you have to check it out. Yeah, my wife doesn't even like baseball, but she likes uh, the 66er games because you walk in super easy. Right. Uh, you don't like feel that big old crowd. You don't feel like, you know, it's intimate. Anxiety you're, you're close. Yeah. Like that. You, you want to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, uh, concessions, whatever, whatever it is. And they also have all these funky days. Like yesterday was like Wagon Wednesday. Bring your you dog. Yeah. Little dogs around the stadium yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, today's Thirsty Thursday uh, as we uh, record this. So it, it's fun. It's uh, what minor league baseball is and what baseball should be. Yeah, maybe we'll bring back. We'll maybe we'll record in a podcast there, like we did a few times in 2019. So, kind of now looking ahead of the Angels' schedule, we mentioned that right now they sit at eight and five with an off day Thursday. They have three games at home against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, you would think with the Baltimore Orioles coming into town, the Angels would be able to take advantage of that. And quite honestly, with you know. With how Baltimore, like Baltimore was picked to lose like 103 games this year, like they're not a good team, but we'll have to see how it plays out. You have Detmers going on Friday, Noah Syndergaard on uh Saturday, and Suarez on Sunday. And you hope for a sweep, you definitely can't lose the series against a team like this. So, what is, what is your two early, out of three? Two out of three, yeah, two out of three. And which one do you think they drop? Suarez game, you think Suarez. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that worries me is that both Detmers and Suarez has have been struggling early in this season. You kind of feel confident with with Noah Syndergaard and what he's been able to do the last two starts. But yeah, Detmers and Suarez kind of worry me, but you kind of hope that the offense and we're supposed to have Mike Trout back. Mike Trout's supposed to be back on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But at the end of the game on Wednesday, it felt that Madden was pretty sure that he will be back in the lineup on uh, on Friday. So if you can get a couple runs, a couple runs to help these guys out, and even if it is an ugly game where you're winning seven to five or something like that, it's still a W. But I feel like the offense definitely is going to need to help out the pitchers on that Friday and Sunday game. I think Thor can probably keep these guys within under two. You think? We think Thor. If you had a, if you had to choose a line by Thor, what would it be? His uh, pitching yeah, line. He's not giving up more than two. Yeah, I don't think either. Nah. I think he probably. I think he'll probably end up going seven innings, giving up maybe two runs. Um, I, I, I think his his streak of not a ton of strikeouts continues. I can see him getting like four or five. But again, he's been, he's been so good at putting the ball in play and either like weak contact or a pop fly. He's been so good at that the last two outings that I hope whenever his velocity comes back, he doesn't just try to strike everyone out. That he still kind of plays to that strength and gets 
weak contact and is able to get out of innings really quickly and, and have that pitch count, you know, really manageable going into like the fifth and sixth inning. Yeah, it's pretty uh it's pretty crazy. Um we haven't had like a dominant ace in a long time. I'd I'd say like a la like uh, Jared Weaver days. Right. And and for him to come out like we're talking about injuries, like who's the per- next person to get injured and whatever it may be, but a lot of these guys already got their uh Tommy John out of the way or their, you know, whatever whatever it is and um I feel like Syndergaard's that guy who they say once you get that repair like you're going to throw harder, you're going to like be pretty equipped uh to have like, you know, a shelf life over the, you know, the next 5 years or so and like you have Otani coming back from that yeah. and you got a Syndergaard so and then hopefully Canning. Um, yeah, Canning I feel like Canning's going to come out at some point. You're going to need Canning. Um, whenever he's ready and he's going to insert himself into that. And like, I think we looked at canning as like a number two at some point, like he showed some promises of like brilliance early on and, um, kind of regressed a little bit, but don't forget this guy. Don't sleep on this guy. He's, I think he was what number two overall second. Um, No, you're second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. He's second round. I meant second round. Yeah. Not two overall. Uh, (laughs) Um, but yeah, like this guy, you know, he college pedigree, UCLA, all that stuff, and I think I think he's gonna emerge, uh, you know, maybe midway through, is something. Yeah, I, he's he started pitching off a mound, trying to rehab. I think he he threw like thirty or forty pitches, all fastballs right now. But yeah, he's something someone that could um, definitely see his way into the the majors at some point this year. Obviously, later in the year, but. A guy that could help a bullpen when you need innings, or maybe a guy that can fill in for a spot start if a guy's injured or, or needs an extra day off. But yeah, Canning had a really good, you know, what I think would have been like his rookie year. But like you mentioned, he kind of regressed, and how much of that was injuries, how much of that was um, the the scouting reports catching up to him and him not being able to make adjust, adjustments. I mean, I don't know that, but uh, a guy that will definitely help the depth of of the Angels is Griffin Canning. And like you mentioned, he had all the right things you need coming out of college. Uh, You just hope that at some point he's able to put it together. And even if that is in a bullpen role, this bullpen is definitely, definitely turning out to be a strength of this team. Talking about Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, Archie Bradley, you know, Rossell Iglesias, everyone already knows. Uh, But with those guys pitching as well as they are, uh, it, it's you don't need their pitchers necessarily to go super deep. You don't need them to go eight innings, but if you can get a, you know your pitcher into the sixth, seventh inning and let the rest of these guys kind of take over, you you feel very very comfortable with any kind of a lead against really any team, regardless of how you know their offense looks. I think I think I'll take our bullpen over that any at any point in any point in the season for sure. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels podcast. Our next podcast will be out Monday morning to review the Baltimore series. Again, three games at home against Baltimore. Detmers, Syndergaard, and Suarez on the mound this weekend. We'll be recording the podcast Sunday night. So if you have any questions about the series or anything in general, go ahead and email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on our social media feed at halo underscore haven on Twitter and on Instagram. So go ahead and DM, DM us there. We always try to get back to people that uh, send messages and, and all that stuff. So definitely check it out. Please help us spread this podcast. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been really, really good. 
numbers wise and we again we we have you guys out there to thank for that and for helping us spread the word and not only on here but our social media stuff too so really really appreciate it but definitely try to share it with a buddy two buddies a co-worker or anything like that so but yeah we will be back recording sunday night it'll be dropping monday morning to review the baltimore orioles series so for chris the curator johnson any, any last words Man, I'm glad to be back in this. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me. I appreciate it. Um, let's keep this going. I feel like this is the magical season. Yeah, Twenty hopefully. years out from the 2002 Angels, I feel like this is this is it right here. So I'm all in. I'm banking on this team, and let's see what let's see what happens. Yeah, if it if it happens this year and it's a 20 year deal, then I'm all for it. So. Yeah, definitely fun to watch. Definitely games are fun to watch right now because you do feel a lot more confident in what is out there team-wise. Yeah, I was I was telling Daniel, like, oh, man, we were going, like, on opening day, they're going over, like, all the starting pitchers for the last, for, like, opening day starters for the last, like, five years. We were so consistent with, like, Weaver, 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 I think for seven years in a row. And then you said, like, Ricky Nolasco, Trevor Cahill, and the, these are like one and done players, and like this is this team feels like it has it. It's got a lot of farm um, youth to it. You got your marshes and you got your Adels, but uh, you got a lot of energy, and uh, I'm excited to see it. You got Trout. Trout's the elder statesman. Yeah, at this point, the old man, which now. is crazy because that makes me feel super old right now. But Trout's getting, you know, he's nearing thirty here. Yeah, um, yeah, just to see what he has in store. Otani, this is a fun freaking team. Yeah, and Rendon hasn't even shown any type of promise what he can get to. So. I mean, as frustrating that as that is, uh, there's a lot of potential there. And if you get those guys all firing on all cylinders, mixed in with this the starting pitching, the bullpen, as Daniel said, is better than it's been in a while. So, yeah, it's a fun club. Um, it's gonna be a it's, it's gonna be a good summer in SoCal. Yeah, I definitely I definitely feel the same way too. So, yeah, definitely a lot of stuff to talk about over the season right here on the All Angels Podcast. I am Daniel Garcia, and that's been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.